Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Good evening, Faith Assembly. How are you doing today? Uh, Let me try that again. Faith Assembly, how are you doing tonight? Yes, yes, yes. This is the day the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it. It's okay. Before we get right to the message, I did want to invite you one more time to Sunday night's Better Marriage Conference. It's going to be good. That's why we're reminding you. If you haven't registered, go ahead and do so. That night is a great investment in your marriage, and we are believing for transformation in so many couples that do come in, and so help us believe, and then help us spread the word. Uh, In fact, I do have um, entrance or registration to give away for the Better Marriage Conference, and so uh, if you're here today and you have not been to the Better Marriage Conference, Stand up. That's the way we'll do it. Stand up if you have not been to the Better Marriage Conference. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. And you're a couple, right? That's what I mean. All right. Um, Second question. Among those of you who are standing, how many of you have an anniversary this month? Oh, man. That's tough. There's two. two. I see two, right? So the two of you remain standing. Um, Which one's closer to today? To today's date? Tomorrow and her? Okay. This is yours then. If you want, uh, go ahead and come by and I'll give you this right now. Yeah. Thank you so much. Gosh, that's awesome. All right. There you go. Enjoy it. We hope to see you on Sunday night. Next week, the Our Family Convo series continues. And so we want to encourage you to text in questions. And so we're going to be doing a panel right here. It's going to be next week. And it's going to be uh, answering, dealing, tackling, wrestling with questions that you have about either parenting or marriage. And so if you have questions that you feel, man, I would really love someone to help me answer this, biblically speaking, uh, we can, we can uh, do that together. And so 407-275-8790, that's our church's uh, phone number. Go ahead and text your questions about either marriage or parenting. And so we're going to tackle those next week. It's going to be good. Bring somebody. Let's pray and let's get ready to go into the Word. Who's ready for the Word of God? Praise God. Bow your heads with me, please. Lord, your Word says, unless the Lord builds the house, the workers work in vain, Father. Build our home, we pray. Build our families, Jesus. Come on, Lord, we give you permission to come And take your hands and shape us to look more like you. And mold us to reflect more of you. I pray, Lord, you would build even this house, Faith Assembly, Lord. Let us look every single day more like you. We ask your blessings on our families. We ask for your wisdom from the Word of God today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Praise God. All right, so... We've been in the book of Ephesians for a little bit now. And so Pastor Matt brought an awesome teaching last week on Ephesians 5. Whoop, whoop. 
um, on how a Christian marriage should look like, and that was awesome. If you weren't here, you can check it out online. Today we're going to zoom out a little bit. So we talked about how a, a marriage should reflect Christ, but we can zoom out a little bit, zoom up, and look at the family and realize that not only is the marriage relationship supposed to reflect Christ, but the family unit as well, all right? And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that family unit. You have to remember that these letters, the letters of Ephesians, was uh, part of the prison letters. They were written by Paul while he was under house arrest, and he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these. When Paul is writing this, he is probably staring at a Roman soldier. He's in house arrest. He's in prison, rather. And he's staring probably at a Roman soldier, which is why later in chapter 6, which we're going to head to in a minute, he writes about the armor of God. And so I want to tell you something, though. Before we can put the armor of God to go fight devils, Paul draws our attention to the home. Are you with me so far? He's saying, let's make sure that we're fighting our battles at home the right way before we go out chasing devils and demons. Can I get an amen on that? Are you with me so far? The Word of God is always encouraging us to put our house in order. Always. And so when you hear that, put your house in order, it sounds like a stern phrase, but it's a good phrase. And so we see it comes from the Word of God. Family relationships are to be lived under divine submission and dependence. What does that mean? Well, church, really? It means we really need God in order to do this family thing right. Oh, we need God. How, can you, how many of you say, I need God? I really need God to help me with this, okay? So back in the day, entire families would gather to read these letters out loud. And so Lily families coming together and parents were there. And children were there listening as well. So he writes to both of them in Ephesians 6, and we'll go to verses 1 through 4. And that's our passage today. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, picking exactly where Pastor Matt left off last week. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, the Word of God says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And I'm reading for the, uh, from the ESV version, by the way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I want to take this verse and break it into four parts. And we're going to do it together. Can we do it together, church? All right, let's do it. First part, the word of God says, Obey your parents. And so this is directed towards those children listening. And I know most of you today are parents, but it is important to know what the Word of God is speaking to children. So let me tell you a little bit about a dog that our family owned. Uh, his name was Calixto, right? I said it was. He's still alive, but his name is Calixto, okay? Isn't he cute? Is he there? Yeah, there you go. Um, don't you think he's cute? All right, all right. So far, so good. Well, we thought so too. Until we realized that Calixto suffered from something called food aggression. So he was cute and all, and everything was perfect. 
By the way, it, the, the, the family functioned great with him, but all of a sudden, if somebody dropped any food whatsoever, either you're eating something, a crumb, or you're eating, I don't know, a cereal, and one of the cereals rolls out, whatever it is, this dog would become a demon dog. So we call him Calixto, the demon dog. It was so bad that when something fell, any food fell on the floor, Every one of us froze. We were under the terror of this little dog. Like literally froze because we're like, we're going to lose a hand. We're literally going to lose a hand. This dog, you couldn't get near it. It was crazy. He um, began biting all of us, uh, including my little one. When he bit my daughter near under the eye here one day and almost missed her eye, he said, I think Alixta needs a new home. And so we, uh, we tried even having a, like a family member that trains and we tried to train them, nothing, no good. And so we were grateful for Calixto, but we had to give him up. Um, because without proper obedience, right, these dogs need to learn obedience, Calixto couldn't remain a part of our home. Why? Because without obedience or without order, you really can run a home and you can have peace in the home. If you have a disobedient child, my recommendation is, don't do what I did with a dog, by the way. You keep the child with you at home. My recommendation is simple. Be patient. Don't be quoting scripture to them or say, hey, you see the Bible says obey. Like, don't go doing that. Don't beat your kid up with the, your, with the Bible. Ephesians 6.1 is given in the context of relationship. Let me tell you a little bit more about that. Let me give you a principle if you increase the relationship, you increase the likelihood of obedience. So that's the first principle I really want to just distill from the Word of God there. If increase the relationship and you increase the obedience. Some of you are like, well, my kid just doesn't obey. All right, so I'm going to give you a few pointers from the Word of God to help your kid obey. And so this is the first one. Increase the relationship, increase the obedience. So relationship is the preamble to obedience. Say with me, preamble. I want to show you Exodus 20, verse 1 and 2. It literally is the preamble to the Ten Commandments. Because many times we talk about the Ten Commandments, we post the Ten Commandments, we teach on the Ten Commandments, but we do that without its proper context. So then they end up sounding like cold, harsh rules instead of what they truly are. So I want you to go with me, if you can, or maybe it's on the screen, Exodus 20, verse 1 and 2. The Word of God says, And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Those are the first few words or the preamble to the Ten Commandments. So what is he saying? First, I am the Lord your God. That's a possessive pronoun. He's saying, don't forget that you are mine. Don't forget that you belong to me. And we're going to, I need you to add tenderness to the tone of what he's saying right now. I need you to add that fatherly, loving tone to what the Lord is saying right here. Then he says, who brought you out of Egypt? It's a reminder that they formerly lacked inheritance and identity. Then he says, out of the house of slavery. So not only did I 
did I brought, bring you out of Egypt? You were bound. You were bound by forced labor. You were bound by living in a, in a society that was idolatrous. And I took you out of that. And I took you out. I am your God. You are mine. I love you. And it is with that context that the first commandment begins. And so I want to read to you at least the first two commandments, inserting the preamble to each one. Check it out. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Do you see it now? This is not like, you shall have other gods before me. Like, it's not like that. This is like, do you remember the situation I took you out of? Do you remember how you were mine? The relationship you and I had in the desert? Did you remember that? In our early relationship, you and I, when you were young and you were mine, children of Israel, do not have other gods before me. Sounds very different, doesn't it? Second one. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall not make for yourself an image. If he mentions Egypt, then this whole thing about making an image makes complete sense. And so I want to just encourage you today and remind you that you have to add this, 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 this relationship factor if you want to elicit obedience from your kids. Because just demanding it and, uh, and, and beating your kids for it or screaming to get that obedience alone without the, pro without the proper context of relationship, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. A lot of silence. I think a lot of you are thinking, and so that's good. I'm just going to keep going. We ask our kids to obey because it's the right thing to do. It's what the Word of God says. It's a command. We, are, we ask our kids to obey because it maintains the order in the house. And we ask our kids to obey, most importantly, because if children learn to obey us, they will learn to obey the Lord. This is crucial. Please listen to me. This is crucial. Guys, I want my kids to live a life of obedience to God. I really do. But where do you think they're going to learn that? They have to learn that under my roof. If I don't get this thing in order, if I don't raise my kids in such a way that they become kids of obedience, then they're going to have a really hard time obeying the Lord later. And so this is crucial. If children learn to obey us, they will learn to obey the Lord. And this is something that has to happen in the house. The church complements this teaching, but this must happen primarily, primordially in the home. Can I get an amen on that? I remember walking into the kids' theater of North Point's church in Atlanta, and there was a huge bureau with the words, what happens in the house is more important than what happens in the church. I thought, what an odd thing to put in a kids' theater thing. Like I thought, are they saying that the, you should be at home and not at church. Like I didn't get it. It took me a few minutes. But then I figured it out. What happens in the house is more important than what happens in the church. This whole thing of obedience has to happen in the context of the home. 
Mm -hmm. So this is our job. This is our call. This is our command. This is what we need to be doing. And so when we, are teach, when we teach our kids to obey, we're literally setting them up for a life of blessing. You have to put in the work, though. You have to add the relationship aspect. Like you have to literally flow with them. When you're having issues with obedience, I'm going to recommend you to increase your prayers. When you're having issues with, your obedience, with obedience and your children, increase your prayers. There was a season, I remember, well, not too long ago on this one, actually, that I was trying to get my son to do something, and he was not willing. So, without getting into too much detail, he just had a friendship that I thought was not convenient to him, and I kept thinking, you know, son, you should be careful with your friends, be choosy, you know, that whole deal. He's like, Dad, but if I, my best friend is friends with that person, so if I'm not friends with that person, I will not be able to be friends with my best friend. I'm struggling. He was telling me like that. And I thought, oh, okay, well, good argument. And we'll talk to you later. I'm like, God, you need to, God, like, what are we going to do here? And so I hit a wall. Like, I didn't know how to counter that one. And I was seeing him suffer because separation from the person I'm asking meant separation from his best friend. Mm -hmm. So I said, Lord, I need you to give me a word. Because if you give me words, like at times for maybe a word of wisdom or a word of prophecy for people in the church, like occasionally, right? We um, removing the gifts of the Spirit, like the Word says. And so I'm like, well, then you have to give me a word for my son. I need a word for my son. Like, I, I, I hit a wall, and I need something. And I felt like the Lord was telling me definition. I thought, ooh, I like that. I'll take that, Lord. And so then it's like, the, the question was, when do I talk to him about this? Because it's not just what God tells you, but when you want to talk to your kids, especially a teenage kid, <laughs> timing is of the essence. And so... There was a moment in which he was grabbing a sandwich in the kitchen, have, like happy. Or, and I saw the coast was clear, and I just went by. It's like, hey, son, hey, what you got there? Da da da, talking about the sandwich. I'm like, listen, I was praying the other day, and I was just, you know, I, I, I had this whole speech and this whole thing, and I just said, I feel like the Lord was telling me to remind you that this is a season of definition for you. And he stops, you know, building the sandwich, and he goes, well, funny you say that. I just came back from full renewal, and the word God was giving me was definition. God's been talking to me about that. Like, Dad, you're right on the money. That's exactly, you know what? And I decided I need to make some sacrifices and make some decisions that are hard, but they're going to make me a better person. And I'm like, hallelujah. Like, I want to, I'm playing it off. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome, man. That's cool. Inside, I think I went to the room. I'm like, honey, you will not believe it. Anyway, it's cool when things align, right? It's cool when you pray and God gives you the wisdom and the thing happens. And so I'm telling you, if you're finding issues with obedience or you're hitting a wall, increase your prayers. Amen? Amen. Moving along. Second part, it says, honor your father and mother. And so the word honor literally means to give a good name or public esteem. And there's a promise of God's favor on this one. And so, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this one, but the simplest way for me to describe that part of the verse as far as us and this whole conversation about being a family that is built on God, right, is uh, that as a family, we have to live honorably before others. You have to live a life of honor. And you have to live a life of virtue. 
Some of you are like, what is the definition of those words? Honor and virtue. If you ask kids nowadays, what is the definition of those words? They might not even answer because these words have, uh, you know, become less and less frequent in the English language. And you don't find them in the vocabulary of the culture. Honor and virtue. Say with me, honor, honor. Virtue. virtue. Last time I was talking about teaching my kids the word discretion and modesty. I don't know if you remember that way back. But, uh, you know, we have to teach our kids too this word, Honor. Honor. What does that mean? Well, uh, in the English language, uh, it, it has to do with, um, with ascribing uh, respect and, 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 and like esteeming somebody up high and holding them high. And so how do we teach that? And so I think the simplest way to teach that is to model it. Mm-hmm. Pastor Marcos, that second point requires work too. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We have to model that ourselves. And so watch out how you treat your elders, maybe your parents, if they're still alive, your mother and father, because your kids are watching how you honor mom and dad, because they, from that, will learn how to honor mom and dad. If you're going to give a clap to the Lord, give it good. Kids are watching. That word of honor carries a meaning of also privilege, privilege. And so let's teach our kids that it is a blessing that they have a mom and dad if they do or just one of the parents or even if you're the grandparent and you're being mom and dad. Let's teach our kids it's an honor to have that, that we have family, that it's an honor and a privilege to have that and we need to be grateful for it because them understanding this blessing develops gratitude. And this gratitude results in honor, and it results in a life of blessing. Amen? Amen? Let's keep going. Next part of the verse, it says, Fathers, do not provoke. It's funny, it talks to, to fathers, but it says, let's go there. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. How many fathers in the house? Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so this one's a, a tough one for me sometimes. I'm a father, and I'm confessing. I was recently, recently talking with my son. Again, my son's in the picture a lot today. But, you know, we were arguing about something, nothing huge, you know. Uh, sometimes we argue. We're a normal, real family. I mean, sometimes people think that Christians float. No, we're normal people. So we're having an argument, and so we're talking and things got a little bit heated and then he says I'm like dad stop provoking me he used the word he used the word like literally he quoted scripture to me because in mainstream they learn scripture right and grow classes they, they're discipled well here and so I'm like but when he did that I was like great like I totally was convicted by the Holy Spirit and I needed to uh, apologize to him so it took a minute um, also, one of those looks from moms, like, you know, like, honey, you know, I'm like, all right, so I'll go up there, and so I, you know, apologize to my son. Right, anyway, you should apologize to your kids sometimes, like, it's okay, that doesn't make you a weak parent, just makes you a humble parent, right? Let me tell you something, raising children will test your Christianity. How... Raising kids will test your Christianity. How you handle moments of tension and disagreement is everything. 
Sometimes your children will test your Christianity, some may say, more than the devil, and that's a joke, but maybe they will test the fruit of the Spirit in you. Ooh, they will. One by one by one, the nine of them. Kids can get testy, and especially teenagers, right? There's a season. I'm not trying to, like, calm down on teenagers, whatever. There's just hard seasons sometimes, and they're testing you. You know what they're testing? To see if your faith is real. To see if your faith can stand the fire, because if it can go through the fire and remain, then that's a faith I want in my life. But if you're fickle and you're, or, I don't know, you blow up and you just, don't have a handle yet uh, on these fruit of the spirit and this, this Christian life thing, and it's, then, then it'll make their faith or, or their belief or the desire to, to adopt the same faith as you uh, more difficult or more challenging. And so be careful with that. Kids are silently deciding when they're watching you and observing you, they're silently deciding whether to adopt your faith or not. So it's not an automatic thing. Our kids, like, our, th- our kids have to also come to the Lord. God has no grandchildren. Have you ever heard of that? Our kids also have to become sons and daughters of God. Some of you didn't get that. You're like, what? <laughs> the duty of parents is to be patient and to be reasonable and to deal prudently with our children, convincing them of, 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 of their judgment and work with, with, with reason. Like, sometimes our kids' consciences. They're so young, their reason, their sense of reason hasn't been developed yet. And so we come alongside to help figure out the situation. You have more power in the peace and health of your home than you think you do. A lot of it is on you, mom. A lot of it is on you, dad. And on me, I'm preaching to myself too. Parents, let's be like the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Let's learn the heart of the Father. This sermonizing, that's just not going to work. Stay above the fray. And yes, it's hard. I mean, I feel like sometimes trying to talk to our kids or to get into the life they're living, I feel like sometimes it's like entering a double dutch, you know. Was it double dutch? I think it's how you call that jump rope thing. Tuck, 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 tuck. I know my mom was a champion of it in middle school in Brooklyn hundreds of years ago. Anyway, she, well, not she, us, we see this double dutch scenario, the ropes are going nuts, and you see a person in there, and there's supposed to be two. And I feel like sometimes as parents, we're like, like, when do I come in? Like, I know I need to get in there, but I don't know when. And, and you know, one wrong move, and you're going to get rope burned really bad. But what God wants is for us to get in there in the right time, and then be like, yeah, son, so what I was saying. Because that, that's what it takes, and it looks like hard work, and yes, it may make you sweat, and yes, it may be awkward, but it is what, it is what it's needed. Get in there. Get in that double dutch dance thing. Ooh, it's hard work, but you must do it. I'm going to give you a few tips on how to disciple your kids without making them angry. Be living out a real relationship with God. Be an example. What you expect your kids to do, you should do it too. Okay, okay. A few amens. Um, also, be fair. Be reasonable and consistent. 
Yes, more amens. So decide the consequence before the infraction. That's a good tip. So that when your child chooses the disobedience, they are already choosing the consequence. In my house, we have this, we have this maxim. We say, good choices, good consequences. Bad choices, bad consequences. They already know it. We say it so much that when there's a situation, we say, bad choices. And they repeat back at us, bad consequences. But the good thing and the smart thing is that we also, when there's good choices, we say, that was awesome. Let's give you a good consequence, right? All right, all right. Four, by staying in relationship with them, this will help us, all right? Um, how to discipline your kids uh, without making them angry by trying to listen and understand what you think is simple for you can be such a huge deal to them. Like, I talked to my nine-year-old, and like the drama that she goes through with her classmates, I'm like, I can solve that in three seconds, but, but that's not my job. My job is to listen, so tell me. Oh, oh, no way. Wow. And she's telling me, da, 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 da. And she takes like one hour to just tell me one thing. But that's it. I got to listen. I got to be there. And I need to understand that it is a huge deal for them. And I need to remember that. So please, a reminder to you, be kind, be sweet. Like get down there at the level because you were there once. You're past this, but, you know, you were there once. And so have mercy and compassion. I would say also pray for your kids. Um, daily. That's another one. Like use prayer, like in to forgot to help you to discipline your kids. Amen? Amen. Next, it says, bring them up in the Lord. So your kids are still children, right? If you have children, by the way, if you don't have children, these are great tips. You should be taking notes so that when you do have children, you can use these tips, right? It's biblical wisdom. Bring them up well under proper and compassionate correction and in the knowledge of the duty that God requires. This does take time. This does take work. The verb translated bring them up in this verse is the same word that is translated nourish in Ephesians 5.29. So check it out. In the, in the chapter before, the Christian husband was, in, was encouraged by the, by the Bible to nourish his wife and so in this next verse, he's encouraged to nourish his children by sharing love and encouragement with them. Like the husband washes the woman by the word of God. I, I used to ask, what is that? What does that mean? And so I just, I believe it's like sharing the word of God. You should share the word of God with your wife. And by doing that, the word of God is, is, is washing, Right? And so encourage your family members, encourage your spouse, encourage your kids. Text them a verse every once in a while. But don't text them, obey dad. Like, <laughs> no. Encouraging, uplifting stuff, please. It's not enough to nurture your children physically by providing food, shelter, and clothing. Parents or, or fathers, like, we must also nurture them emotionally and spiritually. I'll never forget several years ago when we were writing our discipleship curriculum here. I was, I get caught up when I'm doing something very focused. And so I remember I was at the house back in the day and I was going from the living room to the kitchen and I had 
the curriculum in my mind. I'm like, well, I have another idea. I better go write it, right? And so I'm running from the living room to the kitchen, and I, my, the corner of my eye catches my son in his room. His room used to be like near to the left. And as I walk and I'm rushing to write this curriculum, I look, I look at the corner, I see my son playing with a truck. This was way back, little truck. And I felt the Lord tell me, are you discipling him? I'm like, really, God? Wow. Like, I forgot the point I was going to go write for our discipleship curriculum. And I stopped. And I went to the room. And I was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? And so I was probably a little busy those days. Um, and uh, it's probably the same, you know. Anyway, and I, and I began to intentionally disciple my son. Because... I'm a pastor to disciple sheep, but if I don't disciple my own kids, I think I, I think I failed in the mission, right? That's a primary mission. And so uh, this must have been, by the way, a season where I was so busy that I had my brother-in-law, who's a doctor and psychiatrist. He has his own practice. He comes home. I feel every time he visits, he's psychoanalyzing us. And I think he is. Um, I remember that... He said, hey, kids, draw the family, right? And our kids are drawing the family. I think it was, I don't know if it was Sophia, but they drew the family. And so afterwards, he grabs the drawing. He's like, hmm. I'm like, what? He's like, look at the drawing. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, do you see? I'm like, I just see the family. Like, what's up? Like, we're all there. He's like, look how mom's hand is tied to sister to brother and to sister, and dad, dad's hand is not connected to the family. And notice that everybody's smiling, and you have a serious face. Like, so what does that mean? I mean, I know what that means, but I still had to ask him. He's like, well, I think you've been pretty busy at work, and you need to really smile more, be there. And I'm like, oh. anyway, and I, but it was, he was right, and I did follow his advice, and so... God uses psychologists and psychiatrists, even if they're your brother-in-law. <laughs> Moving on. So, for us to disciple our kids, like, we have to enter their world. And so, going back to the double Dutch image, that's, that's a good one. But also, like, like, you have to enter their room. Remember, like I said, I went back to, to that story, going back to Andres' room. Like, I need to learn to be comfortable in their environment. Because discipleship is not going to happen in my environment. Discipleship is going to happen in their environment and in their style. But, but, but pastor, my kids in such an annoying season or stage of life, yeah. And you still got to be there with them, loving on them, and finding and praying for opportunities for you to disciple and insert the Word of God or a good teaching or a good, you know, whatever that God gives you, right? And so you have to enter their environments, and you need to be uh, comfortable being uncomfortable. Can I get an amen on that? You have to enter your child's world if you want to have any influence on them. You really do. And that, that took a while, but I, I learned that one. And so the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. That's a very famous proverb, right? And when he is old, he will not depart from it. So when you look at the original version of that verse, it actually 
uh, sounds more like this. Whatever path you mark for your kids early on will determine their direction for the rest of their life. So that passage, we usually take it as uh, train up a child in the good way of Jesus. But what the proverb or what that teacher was teaching those young men, because Proverbs was written for an academy of young men that were growing up to be royal in the future or leaders of society. He's saying, whatever you train your kid on early on is what will determine their direction for the rest of their lives, whether it's good or bad. So many kids learn things that are bad early on, and then you wonder why later on they're older and they can't even break patterns and stuff because all that started in childhood. But there's hope for us believers, for the families that serve the Lord. If we train our kids in the Lord with love, compassion, peace, wisdom, like if we show up and we're there early, the Bible says that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Notice it goes from like train up a child. We need to bring up our kids, right? Too old. I always find that interesting. I want to encourage you today. For those of you who have prodigal children. He says we must do our assignment early. And trust God for the latter result. The line of train up a child from the beginning to old age is not a straight line. Sometimes we train up a child and the kid just goes to another route and they wiggle and they hide and they go. But eventually, guys, the Bible says that when they are old, later, they will have to come to terms with what they believed early. And we are believing and trusting that later they will serve the Lord with all their heart if they're not serving him right now. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. I want to encourage, you know, there's a, there's a mantle on fathers. There's, some, there's a reason why it's talk, like it just zooms in. Hey, fathers, don't provoke, right? Or, hey, fathers, build up your kid. Like, there's this, there's this authority that, that men have as, as priests. And so I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're a father, now, if you don't have a father in the home, like, you as a mother, grab that leadership and do it. Amen. I get it. Listen, you got to do it because it doesn't matter. You're the leader of the home. Praise God. But if there is a father in the house, I just want to encourage you to pick up that mantle. There is an authority. There is an anointing of men to raise up our kids and, and, and train them in the way of the Lord and pray and, and, and exert authority, spiritual authority, not like over-exerting our authority in discipline. I'm talking about using the spiritual authority to build them up and raise them up. Can I get an amen? amen. We're closing here. I want to remind you of something, and it's the challenge. The same challenge that Paul gave to the Ephesians is the same challenge that we have today. This Ephesian society, the original audience of this letter they had some issues they lived in a very idolatrous city or place in fact there was this temple uh, and, and, and this city of Ephesus like they formed the entire identity as a city based on a temple dedicated to an idol named Diana or Artemis and so this was a very wicked pagan idolatrous society. And so he is 
these people in, in this society did not have a lot of images of Christ or reflections of who Christ is. And so Paul wanted to change that. He's basically saying, hey, I know you live in this crazy world, but you, you're going to build homes that show Jesus. You're going to show these Ephesians what it means to live for God. Your marriages should reflect Christ. When you live out loud, when you like live out your family lives honorably among this society, go out and like, like preach Jesus. And if you must, use words. It's that, that type of deal. Like go out and live it so that others may see Christ. So does your home reflect Christ? Does your marriage reflect Christ? Does your parenting reflect Christ? These are questions we need to be thinking about. There is a verse in the Bible that says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his own soul? I sometimes change that up a bit and ask, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own family? In today's BC lives, we just have to make Raising of godly families are priority. Can I get an amen on that? We need to stop and hear what the Word of God is saying and put these principles into practice with our kids. In the biography of Billy Graham, towards the end of the book, there's, a, there's an interesting story that I'll share with you. This was during a moment where Billy Graham was traveling around the world. He was traveling a lot. He was reaching millions of people all over the world. On one occasion, when he came back, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, brought their daughter, Anne, to the crusade. She had this idea of surprising dad. He'd been out for a while. And so Billy greeted his wife, Ruth. And then he turns to his daughter and says, and who's this little girl? He did not recognize his daughter there for a minute. Because he'd been out a lot and some time had passed. And can you imagine his wife's face when he did that? Later in the book, he writes, You know what? Looking back, I really didn't have to travel around the world so much. I think I redid the world travel thing. And this is Billy Graham writing in his autobiography there. Towards the end, he's saying, I, I, the Lord was using me here a lot, and, and it was cool to travel, but, but there were several instances that he went through, and he goes through them in the book, but he has a, some regret there. And I don't see that, and I don't say that to condemn Billy Graham. I say that, and I share that to, for it to be an example for us. May God help us. One day the Lord's going to ask you, like, what you do with the children I gave you? What did you do? Did you know the Lord will demand from you, what he gave you, he will ask you about your kids. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're right here tonight and you have some regrets about your parenting. And you, you, you figure you don't even know how to make up some of these things right, like how to fix some of these things. Maybe you have adult children that are... I don't know, maybe they're far from the Lord, not necessarily, but if there's, you know, I would love to, to, to pray for parents tonight. If, if you're here and you're like, you know what? I have a prodigal child. I have to believe that God's going to bring them. Or, hey, there's some things. Uh, I, need, I need God to help me to be a better father. I need wisdom 
um, in so many areas. In my parenting, I have not been the best. We would like to close uh, in prayer here. So church, please stand up with me. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to invite you, you know, to the altar. And we'll close our time here in the altar. Again, if you're a parent, you're like, I need, I need prayer. I need prayer. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. There's some things I need. There's a help. There's a special help I need. Like, the Lord needs to build my house. The Lord needs to build a house unless he, unless he builds it. I, I, this can't work. I need God. If you have a prodigal, come. We want to pray. If you have a prodigal kid, I want to agree with you. Come to the front. It's a step of faith. We're just praying a prayer of agreement. Prayer of agreement. We have a child. They're not serving the Lord right now. They were before. We want to believe that they're coming back. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Christ is the Lord. Would you believe and agree with that? Amen. Maybe you're the one that is not serving the Lord. I want to invite you too. Maybe it begins with you. Not talking about the ones that are here, but maybe you are out there still. You're like, I don't know Jesus. I don't serve him yet. Come, we would love to pray with you. We have people here that would help you pray. And altar workers, you guys can come and help us pray for the people here and ask why they're here and, and just minister to them. If you don't serve the Lord, come. You need to be here as well. We're going to pray. I'm going to say a prayer and then we're going to close in worship. Father God, thank you. Because I realize that I need you. Because I realize that I depend on you. My, the very future of my kids, the very trajectory of my family depends on some decisions I make today. Lord, help me. Help me believe. Give me a word for my children. Give me a future. Give me a wisdom. Allow me to enter. Lord, maybe there's a difficult child or just a strong-willed child and there's some struggles. God, I ask you to break some strongholds, things that are just blocking these parents from being effective or, or just being able to break in and, and whatever has been hindering them, we just come against that in the name of Jesus and declare like, just a flow in the conversation, just a, like a move in the spirit, a refreshing in the families, a refreshing in the homes, a refreshing and a move of God that begins to bring unity in these families here at Faith Assembly. Lord, we ask and pray and agree and believe for those who, those children who served you but now are far. We just call them out. We call them out. We bind them to the body of Christ. We bind them to the body of Christ. We call out declaring that we raise those kids and we train them early on in the Lord. And when they're old, they will not depart. They will not depart. Lord, we see them coming in. We see them coming in. We see them coming in. Father, I pray for conversations to be had on the phone. I pray for letters to be written. Maybe there's some reconciliation. Maybe there's some pride you got to lay down. Maybe there's a few things that just need to happen to allow the Holy Spirit to do what they need to do. Just ask God, Lord, show me how I do this. Show me how I fix this. Show me, Lord, because I cannot do it without you. Father, we just surrender our homes to you and our families to you. We surrender our kids to you, not in our own strength, but in your strength. Help us, Lord God. Help us in the name of Jesus. May we, Lord, help our kids obey. May we, Lord, be able to have kids that honor mom and dad. May we, Lord discipline in such a way that we don't provoke and may we bring our kids up in the Lord in Jesus name I pray for families that are godly and incredible for your glory a reflection of Christ in everything they do
Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's uh, worship the Lord and remain in prayer here a little bit. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.